Welcome to the podcast. We call it The Assembly. We're always glad to have you joining us. Glad for your interest in the things that pertain to what we're doing and saying. Those are the things that pertain to Jesus. And we're trying to learn more about him, trying to grow in the grace and knowledge of him, and trying to appreciate him more and more. And we appreciate your interest in doing that as well. We're all in this together, the level ground at the cross. We're all in need of a Savior. We're all in need of his grace, his kindness, his forgiveness, and we're all trying to please him. At least I hope that's what we're trying to do, because when you receive him as Savior, you receive him as Lord, and you seek to please him with your life. And that's the way that he is served. That's the way that he is worshiped. That's the way that he is honored. And that's what we're seeking to do every day of our lives is to honor him and to try to make him happy with the way that we live because we want to please him. He is the son of God. He's the savior of the world. He is our Lord. He is our savior. Now there's a story in John chapter five about a man who had had an infirmity for I think 37 years, something like that. And he had been unable to walk and Jesus comes to him and asks him a question that would seem crazy coming from anybody else. He said, do you want to be made well? And of course, we would initially think, well, of course he does, but maybe there was more to it than that. Maybe Jesus is asking him, you know, you've been this one way for a long time. Now there's going to be new responsibilities, going to be a new way of life for you. Do you really want to be made well? I don't know exactly what the intention was, but it was obviously to get him thinking. And of course he did. And he wanted to be made well. And Jesus told him to get up, pick up his mat and go home. And that's exactly what he did. He got up, picked up his mat that he had been lying on. And he went about his business and the religious leaders found him and said, it is not lawful to do what you're doing on the Sabbath day. This happened on the Sabbath day. They said, it's not lawful for you to carry your mat on the Sabbath. Now here's a man who had been unable to walk for all these decades. And these religious leaders, these Pharisees were just notoriously bad people. No glory to God. No, Hey, how did you get to be able to walk? None of that. Just you're doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath, which wasn't technically true. It was not wrong for him to carry his mat in that scenario. And even if it was, Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. That's what he said when they accused him of breaking the law about allowing his disciples to pluck grains and eat them on the Sabbath. He said, uh, the son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So even if the Sabbath law had forbid this man from carrying his mat, Jesus gave the Sabbath law. He is the eternal son of God and the creator of the world. And he had the power to tell him to pick up his mat and walk. And that's exactly what he did. So there was nothing wrong with what the man was doing. But just think about these religious leaders and the jealousy that they had of Jesus and the power that they wanted to have over people. They weren't glad that he was walking. They just wanted to tell him, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're doing something that is against the law. And we will show our power by telling you that. Well, the man simply answered honestly. He said, the one who told me to get up and walk, and the one who gave me my power to walk, told me to pick up my mat and take it home. And they said, well, who was it? And he didn't know who it was. Jesus had slipped away before he found out who he was. And so these men were, of course, angry and furious. They wanted to know who this was that had caused this man to break the Sabbath law. They didn't want to find out who this man was so they could give glory to God who could make someone walk. They didn't want any of that. They just wanted to have their control. They just wanted to be in charge. And of course, they had always been jealous of Jesus because of his ability to change people's hearts and lives and do things that they were unable to do, one of which was perform signs, uh, miracles like causing a man to walk who had not been able to up until that time. 
So Jesus then meets up with him again, with the man, and says, now, don't go on sinning or something worse may happen to you. In other words, I've healed you. Now, I want your life. I want you to live right. So he tells him, don't go on living a sinful lifestyle. And that's the same thing he would tell us. If you have been redeemed, and we're sick with a disease of sin, we are in the same boat this man is in spiritually. He was in it physically, but he was also spiritually sick. He was in need of a Savior. And we all are in need of a Savior. We're all broken in different ways. We're all broken physically, broken spiritually, and broken in, you know, uh, mentally. There's different ways in which we are broken. But the one thing we all have in common is that need for a Savior, the spiritual brokenness, needing to be saved. Whether we realize it or not, we need to admit it. We need to come clean and say, I need a Savior. Well, he would say the same thing to us. He would say, do you want to be healed? If you want to be healed, do you want to be forgiven? Do you want to be saved? And yes, I can save you and I will save you, but don't go on sinning. Change your heart and change your life. And that's his message to us today. It's always his message. It's always been his message and it'll always be his message. Just like he told the woman in John chapter eight, he said, I don't condemn you, go and sin no more. And sometimes we forget about that last part, that we are not to go and continue to do the things that rebel against God and that are against the ways of God. We are to put our lives in his hands and do the things that he wants us to do. And he is always the answer. He was the answer for this man. He's the answer for us. And when we come to him with a need, he is willing to fulfill that need. Uh, he is willing to help with that spiritual need. He's willing to forgive us. Now, he did not for heal everybody that he came into contact with because that's not why he came into the world. He did not come into the world to heal people physically. He did enough miracles and signs to prove that he was who he claimed to be. And the Bible over and over uh, gives us examples of those uh, things that he did. And uh, the Bible proves itself uh, time and again. Like, for example, this happened at a pool where there were four uh, colonnades for centuries. People said, based on archaeological digs, that there was no pool in this area which had these four colonnades. And they said that, so John could not possibly have written it because they had not found it. But then, lo and behold, in the 1800s, on another archaeological dig, guess what they found? That's right. And the Bible has been proven over and over by archaeological evidence. And it is uh, not a myth. This was not a man that was made up by just people who wanted to tell a story. This was a man who really existed. And this was a man who really changed the hearts and lives of the people that he came into contact with. And he changed their lives completely. And he will change our lives completely if we believe in him and we trust in him. But we've got to side with him over the attitude of the religious leaders. We've got to be looking for actual help rather than just religiosity. The kind of help we need cannot be put into a neat little religious box because it is a relationship. It is not a formula and it is not a, just a new way of life, a new way of thinking. It is a way of loving and living in faith, faith in the Lord Jesus. And he'll transform our lives. He will make us to where we can walk spiritually, where we can be a new creature. Second Corinthians five seventeen says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new and he will make those things new. He will do the things that he promises to do. He'll take that old life and he'll transform it and he'll change it. And we will be walking spiritually. We will be living a life of victory in Jesus because that's the way he is. That's the kind of savior he is. If you come to him in sincerity, he's going to give you what you need. He's going to save you and he's going to help you. He's going to help you be a stronger and better person because that's the kind of savior that he is. And he'll transform your life and he'll say to you, don't go on sinning. Give me your heart and give me your life. And then we begin to live for him. And we begin to live for him because 
of who he is. And we begin to give him our lives and more and more of our lives, submitting more and more of our lives to him because we want to live for him. We want to please him. So we begin to investigate his word. We begin to look into the Bible and read the Gospel of John, for example, and we begin to read it. John is, you know, as significant a book as there is in the New Testament for all practical purposes, maybe the most significant one. But, uh, you know, it gives this picture of Jesus that is so complete. And of course they all do, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke give a a picture of him too, a complete picture. But John is different. John is different from the others. And and you read John and you begin to see that this is the son of God who came into the world. This is God's son who gave his life and God's son who came to transform us and to change us and to give us new life. And he is the Lord and master of everything that we come in contact with and every problem that we have, he has power over. So we come into his presence in faith and we seek his favor. We seek his uh, help and he gives it to us. And we begin to see who this man is, that this is John presents him as the son of God who takes away the sin of the world and the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and the creator of the world and the sustainer of the world, things we've been over before. But if you read John, you begin to see that this is no ordinary man and he is the one who came to change us, to transform us. And we need to come to him, but we need to obey him. We need to be willing to obey him and do what he says and not just seek what he can give us, but seek what we can give to him and what we can offer to him. And that is a life lived in service to him because of who he is, our God, our creator, our maker, our sustainer, our rock, our friend, our savior, our redeemer, our Lord. And he is the one that everything revolves around. He is the one who matters. So let us give him our lives and let us start living for him and believe that he can transform us. And when you come to him in faith, and no matter what you've done, no matter how bad you've been, no matter how bad you think you've been, you come to him in faith and you receive the forgiveness of sin. And you begin to see that you are a new creation in Christ. And you see that this is a free gift of salvation that he's given you. Then you begin to live for him. Then you begin to walk with him. Then you begin to investigate his word and read his word. And you begin to talk to him in prayer. And you begin to believe that he's listening. And you just grow closer to him. And it becomes a relationship that just dominates your whole life. And as you live for him and as you grow in your faith and in your understanding of what this is all about, then it becomes easier in one sense because it becomes more natural to you to be close to him. And it becomes more difficult in another sense because you're trying to yield every part of your life to him. And it is uh, against the sinful nature. We're all like Paul was in Romans chapter seven. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? But he says, thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ gives us the victory over the sin nature. And the power is always there. The power is there to walk with him. The power is there to lean on him. The power is there to grow in your faith in him and to please him with your life. So rely on his power, rely on his ability and look to him for the strength and the guidance that you need. It's so overwhelming to think about the love that he has for us and to think about the price that he paid for us and to think about the good things that he does for us and the things that he will continue to do for us. But we got to get out of the sinning business. We got to stop doing things that we know are wrong. We got to stop living in rebellion against him and we got to live for him and live for him as Lord and ruler of our lives, because that is the key to discipleship. That's the key to having him as savior. You got to have him as Lord. You got to have him as savior. And you got to take him as both because he is your Lord if he's your Savior. God made him both Lord and Christ, Peter said in the Pentecost sermon. He is the anointed one, but he's also the Lord. And we will accept that and we will rely on that and we will uh, respect that if we really, truly love him. 
So how do you think this man felt his life being transformed and changed by his encounter with Jesus? Well, his life would never be the same and your life and mine will never be the same. When we live for and listen to and love and learn from the Lord Jesus Christ and accept what he has to offer us and accept the free gift of salvation that he brings us. He is the savior of the world. And that means he's the savior of you and he's the savior of me. So he would ask us, do you want to be saved? And we say, yes, of course we want to be saved, but do we really, do we really want to be saved enough to embrace him as Lord and savior and to live our lives for him? That's the key. That's the question. That's always the question. That's what we're always trying to do is grow in our appreciation for him and grow in our love for him so that we will strive to do what he says. He is the boss. He is the Lord. He's the commander. And we are to obey. Two words that you need to know to follow Jesus. Yes, Lord. And it's as simple as that. And those are the two words that will change your life. Yes, Lord. Whatever you say, that's what I'm going to strive to do. And I'm going to strive to appreciate you. And you can begin to do that at any time. And he is always willing to forgive you, always willing to receive you, always willing to change you, always willing to give you a new life and to tell you to go and do what you're supposed to do. And that's what he's telling us today. So we are living for him as our Lord. If we have received him as Savior, we're living for him as Lord. Those two things are inseparable. They go together. And that's what we're striving to do. And with Jesus as our Lord, as our Savior, we are always in his debt. And we are always in that relationship with him where he is in charge. So let's live for him. Let's glorify him. Let's strive to please him in everything that we do. And then we will see the victory that is ours in Jesus and why there's so much talk about victory in Jesus and, and love for Jesus and what you can have in Jesus, why people are so excited about him, because he is the ruler and savior and sustainer of the world. And he's the Lord and he's the savior. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate you. And we hope you'll consider these things. We hope we'll all consider them and make us better disciples, more appreciative of all that Jesus has done for us. And we'll see you next time on the Assembly Podcast.